I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. Today we read from the third chapter of the Gospel of John, selected verses. Let us hear these holy words. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. who are watching in Magnolia, Cotton Plant, and Rover, as well as those in our respective nursing homes and hospitals across the state, and our homebound as well. We're thankful to have all of you as our part of our worship experience this morning. I want to just give you a quick bit of information that is getting very frustrating for me, but it is important, I think, that I say it because we sent out an email about it, but it is an issue regarding emails. If you get an email from me and it is very vague, delete it, okay? We have had a real problem with uh, email scams. Oftentimes, pastors' names are attached because, quite frankly, people assume that if the pastor is sending something, they need something, and they feel obligated to respond accordingly. I got one from a church in Northwest Arkansas just this past week asking for my uh, money to help with a business venture. And I know the person it came from, and I knew good and well that was not the case. So that was deleted. We've had a real issue with my name being attached and other pastors' names being attached. So if you get something that says, hey, listen, this is John Robbins. I need you to call me or I need you to email me back. I want to tell you something. Delete it. If I need something from you, I'm either going to call you or I'm going to be very explicit about what it is. But don't uh, respond to those, please. We continue to have issues with that. It's getting more and more frustrating, um, but that's just the world in which we live in today. There are always those kind of individuals who, whatever, for whatever reason, want to take advantage of other people, and we don't want that to happen to you, or to me, for that matter. So please be aware. We're thankful you're here today. Let's pray. O oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. Not so long ago, Time Magazine listed the most influential people in human history. There were politicians on the list. There were military figures, scientists, inventors, Names we are all familiar with. But the name that topped all the other names was one who was born in a remote village whose public presence only lasted about three years. 
who never traveled very far from his home, who was rejected by his friends and killed as a common criminal. Of course, Time Magazine named Jesus Christ is the most influential figure in human history. This one who is fully God and fully human. The one who is the king of all kings, and yet he served his people. The one who is the prince of peace, yet he died a violent death. The one who walked the face of the earth without sin, but took upon himself all of the sin for all of humanity, for all of time, and died to that sin. Walter Wink said, if Jesus had never lived, we could not have possibly invented him. You think about this one whom we bow down before, the one we love and adore. Think about who he is and what he did, particularly in the day and time in which he lived, considering the cultural mores, the Hebraic laws. Oftentimes, Jesus put people before anything else, including antiquated, outdated, or inappropriate laws. Jesus touched people you're not supposed to touch, making himself ritualistically and ceremonially unclean in the process. He spoke to people that you're not supposed to speak to if you're a good Jew, because they're considered inferior. And yet Jesus oftentimes devoted much of his time to eating with the kinds of people that others would have nothing to do with. Tax collectors, quote unquote sinners, who are generally the people who are removed from the synagogue worship experience because their sin had been exposed to the world. Jesus spoke with people you don't speak to. Jesus encouraged people and included people who were ostracized and alienated, the outcast, the broken, the demon-possessed. This one named Jesus, who is fully God and fully human at the same time, shows us who God is and what God is like and how desperately God wants to love us and be in relationship with us. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, you got to be born again. Well, how can I be born again? I've already been born. How can that happen? You've got to be born of water and the spirit for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus referring to himself. Why Jesus? Of all the people that Time Magazine could have selected as the most influential people in human history, why is Jesus ranked number one? Because Jesus Christ is God in flesh, there has never been or will there ever be any human being quite like him. He had the capacity to love like no other. He was willing to die for the sake of all of us. And the expectation is that his followers live the same kind of life that he lived. And the primary way in which we do that is through the life, mission, and ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, people get hung up on denominations, or they're part of a non-denominational church, or they're Roman Catholic, or they're Greek Orthodox, or whatever they may be. The truth of the matter is, we all bow down before the same Jesus. 
The rituals in which we participate in the worship experience lead us to the same Lord. It is the one we call the Christ whom we bow down before because he has so much to offer us regarding grace and mercy and love and forgiveness like no other human being who has ever walked the face of the earth. That's why Jesus. And ideally, the church is the representation of Jesus Christ and the world. We don't always get it right. We squabble with each other. We complain about what was decided. We don't like some of the things that happened. I, I do that. You do that. We all do that. It's called being human, but ideally, the goal is to always be Christ-like. Because we believe in one who can transform us, shape us into who God would have us to be like no other human being ever could. There is something that happens when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is something great and good that we may not even be able to articulate that takes place in our life that shapes us in such a way that we begin to take on a persona that is different. We're more loving, we're more grace-filled, but we're more willing to forgive. We're more inclusive of all people. I have never heard anybody ever, ever say, Listen, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm more bigoted now than I ever have been. I am more hate-filled than I was before. I'm meaner than I ever was before Jesus came into my life. Nobody says that because it's not possible to be that way if the one who is love is a part of the makeup of who you are. Remember, there are three simple words that define who God is in Scripture. In 1 John, it says, God is love. And if Jesus Christ is God in flesh, then Jesus Christ is the personification of pure, undefiled love. And if he is a part of the makeup of who we are, then we are not the kind of people who can look down on others as inferior. We are not the kind of people who can be bigoted or racist. It is not within us because instead there is the indwelling presence of the risen Christ that guides our every step. In the Gospel of John, John says, we love because he first loved us. Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And in the book of Colossians, it says, in him is the fullness of God, which is pleased to dwell within us. In other words, when we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, he is literally a part of the makeup of who we are. He is an indwelling presence. That's why Jesus is so important to us. It is who God calls us to be when we are in relationship with him. We are more like who God intended for us to be than who Satan expects us to be at times. If you think about what it means to follow Jesus Christ, and you ask almost any individual, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what are the expectations that are placed on you? Why would you claim Jesus as Lord? Most of us are going to say kind of the same thing. The expectations are that we forgive 70 times 7, and that is incredibly difficult. The expectations are that we include all people. The expectations are that we are people of grace and forgiveness and mercy and unimaginable love. 
That's who we are. That's what we're all about. And that defines what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is to bow down before the one who is the king of all kings, who instead bowed down at the feet of the disciples and washed their feet. It is to bow down before the prince of all peace, who stretched out his arms and died on a cross, taking your sin and my sin away from us and placing it on himself because he loves us that much. That is why Jesus is so important to us. That's why we claim him as our own. I love what Philip Yancey wrote. Philip Yancey said, we can't get away from Jesus. There are even people who curse the name of Jesus. He says, in fact, you never hear anyone say when they hit their thumb with a hammer, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Nobody says that. You just cannot, says Yancey, get away from Jesus. Even if you look at him in a negative light, he is still there. I love that. You can't get rid of this guy named Jesus. His love and his grace is too great. He wants to be in relationship with us. He is going to keep prodding us. He's going to keep poking us, nudging us, pushing us, whatever it takes. Because he has something to offer us that no other human being can ever offer. It is to be in the most intimate of relationships with the God of all creation that we know in and through this one named Jesus. If you want to know what God would do, look at what Jesus did. If you want to know what God would say, look at what Jesus said. If you want to know how God would claim you as his own despite all of your sin and your mistakes and your shortcomings and your failures, look at what Jesus did with the most wretched, sinful of people. And know that even if you feel like you're one of them, you are his. You belong to him. The scripture says you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. And that price is the blood of Jesus Christ for the sake of all of us. He is the only one in human history who's been able to conquer sin and death for all of time. And every one of us, without exception, are sinful people. And every one of us, without exception, will die. But we have an opportunity, because of who we are, to have that sin removed from us and to live forever and ever with the one who longs to be in relationship with us forever and ever. And he has the capacity to do so, so he offers us that extraordinary gift. That's why Jesus. Think for a moment about those you love the most, the ones you're willing to die for. I remember when our children were very little, I had bath duty. I'm the one that bathed them at night when they were little bitty toots. And they'd run around the bathtub naked, and they'd run in the bathroom, water all over the mirror, water all over the wall. I mean, every night it was just a disaster. And I did not have any more fun in life doing anything else other than bathing my kids. And they would be wound up, and we'd finally get pajamas on them, and the diaper would pull up on them. We'd finally get them in bed after this exhausting period of time, and they would go right to sleep. And about 10 minutes later, I'd go back in there to check on them and they're sound asleep, and I would look at them, and I would think to myself, I cannot imagine loving them any more than I do. I would die for my children. 
Now, that's what Jesus says about us. I would die for you. I love you that much. There is nothing you can do to separate that love from me, says Jesus. I long to be in relationship with you. We are people who sin. We are people who make mistakes. We don't always get it right, but we know that we have one who loves us and can take that sickness away from us and place it on himself so that it is no longer ours. He's removed it from us because he has the capacity to do so, and no other human being has ever had the capacity to do so or could do so. That's why Jesus. Jesus Christ changed the trajectory of my own life. The last thing I wanted to do, having been a preacher's kid, was be a preacher. Trust me. I was going to be a great eight-figure football coach. I mean, I was going to be on TV all the time. I was going to be the one who made all the right decisions. I had all of that down to a science. And then suddenly, God changed all of that for me. And I have absolutely no regret about that. Maybe the salary thing I regret a little bit, but <laughs> other than that, he changed the trajectory of my life. He's changed the trajectory of your life. You know that. You know what he can do. It's just that simple. I think a lot of times we take the faith and we try to make it so complicated that we ruin the capacity to just share why Jesus? Why Jesus? When I was in seminary, I took a class and we had to write a paper about why Jesus. And so I wrote, we had to write a definition of who Jesus is. Now this was brilliant on my part, or so I thought. My definition of Jesus, now hear this, this is brilliant, you all. The beingness of God is more beingful than any other being that could be. Isn't that brilliant? Now you tell me what that means, because I don't have any idea, even though I wrote it. My seminary professor marked it out and said, I, I don't even know what this means. <laughs> Sometimes we just make it way too complicated. We believe in one named Jesus, who is fully God and fully human, who lived such an extraordinary life that some people don't even know what to do with him. But we do. He is our everything. We are nothing without him. We have nothing without him. But with him, we have everything. That's why Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.